Hi everyone, it's Brittany and I'm here with Mackenzie and you're listening to Rising Radiant. Today we are so excited to have one of our very dear friends, Evie Hepworth, here with us. She is a wife, a mom, a preacher, an entrepreneur, and an influencer in the kingdom of God. Today she'll be talking about waiting well. You're in for a real treat. us this morning. I'm so happy to be here, you guys. What a dream. It just feels like we're all having coffee in the living room together. Yes, we're all in our pajamas. So everyone listening, just know we're all in our pajamas, no makeup, fuzzy hair. (laughs) Oh, I love it. This is such a dream. Evie, we are so excited. I think the Lord highlighted you right from the beginning. Um, You are just such a treasure and just the gift of your friendship is so, so special. But When I think of you, I just think of your authenticity. I think of just, you speak with so much passion in your ministry, with your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, when you preach, but when I've listened to you speak, it's you speak with authenticity from the heart. You don't hide anything and you just invite people into your journey. And it's one of my favorite, favorite things about you. And so we are so excited. We wanted to have you on this podcast today to just highlight what the Lord's doing in your life and your sphere of influence and just the promises over your life. And I just think of you as this conduit of courage. You just empower people into courage and boldness and you live it out so well. (laughs) So we're so excited. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. Talking to like the two courage queens over here. My gosh. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Every time I feel like every single time we're together, I feel like it's like the like um what is it, the Avengers? Like we're all together and it's like, oh like we all talk about our dreams and we're like, and what about this? And what about this? And then we like give each other advice on like, you know, <laughs> podcasts, but then like nonprofits and boys and all the things. Oh, I absolutely it's love the best. It. It's a dream. We um for everybody listening, we um we met Evie, Brittany and I met Evie at a conference out in Boise, Idaho. Brittany was preaching and Evie was preaching and it was such a dream to listen Three to. Three years ago, but it feels yep. like it was 30 years ago. And it felt like heaven on earth. And we had just, I remember us all saying, how did we wait so long to become mm. friends? How did we go decades into our life? <laughs> not right. knowing each other. Evie, let's really? speak together again soon. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. We just Amen. need to find someone that wants to hear both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to hear us? <laughs> I love it. Oh my word. Oh my well, Evie, we would love if you just started off just sharing a little bit of your story. Your yeah. testimony is so powerful and you wear it as this arsenal of just hope for people. And so just sharing a few minutes of your story and just letting people know what yeah. God in your life would be so amazing. Well, yeah, my name is Evie. I'm originally from uh, the Bay Area-ish of California, born and raised in the Central Valley. Now my family lives in the Bay. Um, I played soccer my whole life growing up. That's what brought me to Boise as I played at Boise State. And I grew up in a great family, but I just, I, I, and I knew I always loved the Holy Spirit from a young age, but then you just uh, hit this age where you're just kind of like, oh, I think I just want to like do something different with my life, you know? And so you give in to peer pressure, you kind of end up conforming. So um, that was kind of my story. I um, just for like really wandered for, I don't know, maybe six or eight years. Um, And when I was 19, almost 20, I went to, I was dating someone at the time and um, we had just gotten in this huge fight 
And this person I thought was, you know, when you're dating someone for years on end, you're like, I, I thought passion was yelling and like dysfunction. And so I'm like, this is the most passionate relationship. And, um, we got in this huge fight and I stormed off in my RAV4 to Dear John by Taylor Swift. And I was like, and in my passenger seat, somebody on the track team had invited me to a Lisa Bevere conference. Um, and you know, I was raised like faith filled. I was raised in the church. And so I remember thinking, I'm literally going to, I'm going to go to this conference. It was happening right then, like right while I was like in the car. So I was like, I'm going to drive there. I'm going to go to this service. I'm only so then I can call my dad and tell my dad that I went to church because I know he worries about me and I know he, you know, and so I was, that's what I did. I I drove to this church service. I sat in the very back row, far aisle. So the second somebody asked to pray for me, I could leave. I was like, I'm not a charity project. I, you know, like I just had no intention of it actually being pure, but it was just totally with the manipulation of wanting to please somebody. So, um, so anyway, I told myself the second that somebody asked to pray for me, I'm going to leave. And I'm sitting there, nobody's talking to me, nobody said hi to me, nothing. And all of a sudden I'm like, what am I doing? I need to leave. And I get up to go leave. And out of nowhere, at a women's conference, this man, this old angel man, basically, I, I'm seriously convinced he's an angel because now I find out he's a missionary in like the Middle East, like the hardest part of the world. Oh my but he 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 steps into the aisle, blocks me so I can't leave with a gold tray with one chocolate covered strawberry on it. And he goes, Oh, good morning or good evening. Would you like this chocolate covered strawberry? And I'm like, oh, um, and I'm like trying to get around him and he keeps like moving. So then he, I can't leave. And he's like, and I just kind of, okay. And he said, have a seat. It's about to start. And he like, just basically blocks me. So I can't leave and really tender, but I was just like, oh, thank you. And I just grabbed this chocolate covered strawberry, which I mean, I, I feel like everyone likes them, but I love chocolate covered strawberries. So I was like, that's so weird. And just one, it's not like, and also there were no men all over this event. Like it was just, it's a women's conference. So I'm like, that was weird. Anyway, so, um, end up staying and during worship, just, um, I think honestly, second, you know, the first song I'm totally cold, bitter. I'm like, Ugh, I can't believe these girls raised their hands. So pathetic. I can't believe, and I'm just sitting here like just totally, I'm naturally, my flesh is very, very skeptic, judgmental, very like, and so I'm sitting here judging everything. And then the second song, um, and I, and I start like softening, I can feel myself starting to get emotional and I'm like, Whoa. And then the third song, I'm just weeping and I'm like, Whoa, this is so, so weird. And then Lisa Bevere ends up preaching and, um, and her story, I felt very similar to, and, and I'm like, wait a minute, she's preaching this message with just me. Like someone told her I was coming, you know, those where you're like, this is just too good to be true. And, yeah. and I am my personality type. I'm a three on the Enneagram. Um, I'm an ESFJ, but like barely ESFJ. I someday it's like 49 and 51 of the eye. So I'm like right in the middle, I love it. but, um, <laughs> I, when I make a decision, I just, I make it. And then I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, my, I think my superpower is loyalty. And so like when I, when I'm in on something, it's if if you're my friend, I'm like going to be with you forever. And so it was one of those moments where, um, you know, she does this altar call. I thought I was going to tear my hamstring sprinting to the front. I'm like, oh God, I'm ugly. I'm dirty. I'm shamed. I'm, I'm like, you know, he'll be good. I'm yeah. like, totally like I have become somebody that I don't want to be. My yeah. mind is a battlefield. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with insecurity. I, I do things I, <clears throat> that I literally don't even want to do. And I will actively think in the moment, you shouldn't be doing this. And what I thought was guilt before I'm learning was actually the Holy Spirit in a really sensitive, tender way. And so, wow. um, so basically in that moment, I was like, God, 
bring me back to you. I don't want to live this way. And so end up um, breaking up with my boyfriend. And it was basically from there on out, it was like, Jesus, I, I need you to remake me because what I've made of myself is so disgusting. I'm just disgusted by it. And so uh, it was a journey from there. You know, like I remember calling my granny. I was like my whole life. I lived next door to my granny and my papa. And every single morning before school, my papa made like made us read a psalm with him. Like my granny is like just a powerhouse. She like traveled the whole world like singing and all kinds of stuff, gospel stuff. And so I called her and I'm like, and you know, you know where you're at this phase in your life where like you're, you feel like your family knows who you are. You, you girls probably don't totally have this story, but you feel like you are this one person to your family, but then this whole other person where you're like, oh my gosh, if only my family knew, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I remember calling my granny and just being like, granny, I, I want to, ch- I want to fall in love with Jesus. I, I need help. I don't, and she bought me a Bible and she, and as if she hadn't bought me like 40 Bibles up until that point, you know, there's been multiple moments where I had these like mountaintop experiences, but still went back to this lifestyle. And so that was really the tipping point for me where I was like, I have to give my life to Jesus or else I know that this, this, this dysfunction is going to continue. So um, fast forward, um, my relationship was really founded on the word. I didn't have this community right away. I didn't have, um, you know, there's no social media. There was no at that point. And so it was really, I'm still in college. At that point, I was still, you know, very much one of the party girls. And so it was me having to learn how to separate myself and be like, okay, you're redefined. This is a redefining season. And so I just read the Bible. And you know, what's funny is when sometimes you don't have a history with the Bible and you read it, it's really freaking boring and stale when you don't like, and I remember being like, everybody talks about how this like burns their chest and how it awakens them. But I just feel bored. And the Holy Spirit was like, nope, this is something I'm developing in your spirit, a discipline. (laughs) So it was this, that is, and it's a lot like marriage. Like it's this, nope, you're going to have to choose. It might not feel fluffy when you're reading chronicles you know it might not feel like but it was just this thing that god was deepening in my heart of like you're gonna the thing that i'm building in you is going to be founded on the word and it's not not by emotion which up until that point was you know my drug of choice just all emotion i'm like i just i want to feel this way and i'm gonna feel this way i'm gonna you know so um so all that to say i really fell in love with the word and then i got plugged in obviously into a local church and then i eventually met zach i met some of my best friends um, Zach and I, that's a whole nother story, but we were just friends for a very long time. He didn't even know I existed. Um, I was like, you know, there was a long season where God really needed to heal me. And, um, and there was just so much, like, I couldn't even look at men without hoping, Oh, I hope they look at me. I hope they flirt with me. I hope there's this, you know, this attention that I'm so deeply, you know, aching for and the Holy Spirit's like, I want to, I want to heal that. I want to get to that spot. I want to, you know, and then in new seasons, it looks different. It might not be men, but it might be uh, ministry acknowledgements or it might be, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. But every time the Lord's like, that little thing, I want to heal that. And it's never this conviction voice of like, ew, I hate that that's in you. It's this, hey, babe, I, I want to heal that. I want to put me in that place instead. And so, um, you know, my, my story, Zach and I, friends for three or four years, uh, ended up, he ended up telling me on a mission trip in China that, um, that he was, you know, that he wanted like pursue me. So then we dated for about a little over a year and a half and then got married. And I would love to do a podcast sometime all about Zach and I's story because it is so good. I'm like, we honestly, Nicholas Sparks should probably sign a contract with us because it's pretty Come good. On. Podcast Amen. 2.0. That one's kind of, <laughs> yes. Everybody stay tuned. <laughs> so so then, um, 
you know, before Zach and I got married, I um, had read a lot of different books in college. My heart has always been very compassion filled my whole life. When I would draw pictures of my family, it was with every color of the rainbow of children. I had purple kids. I had brown kids. I had yellow kids. I had red kids. Like I just have always had a heart for adoption. I remember really vividly in middle school when my parents divorced and it was this point of like, Hey, you can pick what kind of room you want. You know, when you like get to design your room, like what color paint. And I remember saying, I just want a room where it's all Africa themed. And then there's a bunch of children on the wall. And my family's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know? like, that would look really bad. But I just have always had that heart of just like, I just love people and, um, and I love to serve people. And so, um, basically in college, my heart really broke for human trafficking. So that is when um, we, I started venturing into what does that look like? How can I serve there? And I think that's something a lot of girls um, ask, like, hey, my heart is burning for this one thing. What do I need to do to get there? And I always say, literally, just start volunteering, start serving. You don't like when you get a passion about something that's like a greater cause, you know, maybe like, um, you know, orphan crisis or human trafficking or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. A lot of times our Western mindsets are like, what should I major in? And then what program should I go to to get certified? And then, and yes, there's value to those programs, but sometimes it's just starting with, okay, where can I serve for free? Because I always tell people, if you're willing to do it for free, then eventually you'll be able to find a way to be able to, you know, do it full time. So true. So, so um, I helped my husband and I um, helped kind of get off the ground an organization called wipe every tear. And so we worked there for about five and a half years and they rescue girls from human trafficking. And so Zach and I were all over the map. We were, um, in the Philippines and all different areas of Asia. And that was my whole heart. That was my whole dream. I would have committed my entire life to it for the rest of my life. That is like, um, still to this day, human trafficking is what like makes me, um, yearn. But in that process, my husband and I, um, started the adoption process. And so we never knew that we were going to adopt two. We now have two babies from West Africa, but we just felt from a very young age, we were not even married a year. Um, and we felt the Holy Spirit start to say, start to talk to us about our plan A over and over. He kept saying, this is our adoption plan A, adoption plan A. Wow. And so um, we had literally no money. We were both full-time missionaries. We sold our couch to make our application to adopt. We had, I remember eating Papa Murphy's pizza on our on our like floor of our condo. And we were like, well, we don't have any furniture, but maybe we'll have a baby, <laughs> you know, like, and there was, it was just this really sweet season of us being like, gosh, like there's a sacrifice and there's a, there's a sacrifice and something you have to give if you're really going to call on these, like, and step into these things. And it just feels uncomfortable. Like, I mean, we sold cars, uh, people ended up giving us cars. Like there was this two year process where it was like, I have never, still to this day, I have never seen God show up. There's something about financial miracles too, just of like God just dropped, like Britt, when you preached on the dollar bills falling from the sky, I literally think yeah. of that weekly because I'm like, God, you did it for Britt. I know you can do it for me. Like yeah. it's crazy when God shows up financially. And for me, that's a huge area that the enemy will try and come in at is wow. it's, you're always going to just be barely making it, you know? And so, um, so basically that was the process we, we got a bunch of prophetic words from a bunch of people that said, I see twins over your life. We see twins. We see twins. We see the Lord thing too. Um, and every time I was like, homie, you better close your mouth. Cause I only got the faith for one. I'm 23 years old. I have no money. You know, like I'm like, stop. But we have probably five or six different people that we're really respect that we respect that we're saying, we, we feel like this is what God's saying. 
And so sure enough, uh, on my birthday in 2016, we get a call saying we have two, um, they are from the same village and, um, we want just, you don't have to say yes, but this is the situation. Wow. Um, and I am the type that I'm like, yes, I'm yes. Yes. We'll be there right away. Like I am <laughs> like, I have been praying about this for 20 years. Like, yes. <laughs> and Zach is the type that is always like, we'll fast and pray for 21 days. And then we'll get you <laughs> like, he is so unrushed. He, he is the most chill like just, he has seriously so balanced me out. And so he said, no, we're going to fast and pray for 21 days and then we'll tell her. And I'm like, that is like tearing out like my lungs. I'm like, oh my gosh, 21 days. <laughs> so of course we fast, we pray. And, um, the day of that 21 days, we get an email or sorry, a phone call. I'm in the middle of my work day and it's like right before Christmas. And I get a call from this organization that said, we heard about your story and we heard about how, you know, fill in the blank. And we just wanted to offer to pay for your entire second adoption. And they write a check for over $25,000. Oh my gosh. And then a week later, another organization, Hey, we heard that this, we want to help pay for the first one. And just week after week, people out of nowhere calling and saying, Hey, I just feel like I'm supposed to give you 5k, you know, like, and I'm like, it was just so overwhelming because I mean, for many different reasons, but, um, and then shortly after that, we found out my son has, um, is very sick at the time. We didn't know what it was. Obviously you're in the poorest place on planet earth. And so you just assume, okay, typhoid, malaria, you know, uh, measles, all these different things. And so, uh, we just knew he was really sick. And at one point they said, we really don't know if he's going to make it. We don't know if he'll be adoptable. And so it's interesting how the Lord, I've always had a mother's heart, um, but the whole process of the adoption, it was such a, it was like such a, just a battlefield for me. And the only thing the entire time that the Lord said, like, I was like, what do I do? Because your babies are on the other side of the world and you want to do, you want to do something. Show me what paperwork you need to fill out. Show me what bill I need to pay. I'll just do anything. And the Holy Spirit in that whole two year process was like, go in the crib and, and sing, go in the crib and sing. And so we built this crib that for a long time, Zach's like, I just feel like we're supposed to pray over this. And it was just this empty crib, but we would crawl in it and I would sing for hours. And up until that point, I never really sung. Like I, I enjoyed it, but I never, it wasn't this like, oh, I'm just going to go and sing and like, you know. And that was really like what defined that whole waiting season was just like developing in me a voice that eventually would be the voice that would sing over my kids because that's still to this day, every night before bed, mommy, will you sing to me, you know? And so, so yeah, so obviously go to Liberia. Um, My son is deathly ill. um, And that's a whole process. Get my daughter, our daughter, and she took a long time to bond. It wasn't this instant thing. Um, with her, like it was Asa. I almost died. I got malaria and typhoid. I, it was really, really scary. Um, it was just, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Come home, we find out that my son um, gets diagnosed with a terminal genetic disease. And it was just one of those things. I, I feel like my whole life, it's just been wave after wave of something. And I've never in a season ever had the wave stop. And, um, and it's just, it's this weird thing where you have to develop the spirit of like, this pain that I'm feeling and this, this, this hurt that continues to come over me, like it has to be oil. God, I have to, I have to crush it. And it has to be oil that I pour on your feet because I don't know what else to do with it. Like, and when you learn how to transform your pain into this fragrance that you really can wash Jesus's feet with, it transforms you because Mm -hmm. I like, you know, obviously when Jesus, when her feet was, when his feet was being washed, 
obviously it moved Jesus, but I, it moved her more, you know, like she gave her everything. And I, and so many seasons still where we still, I feel like almost this, like God's multiple times has said, I, I've asked you to be able to walk through these hard battles because I know that you're steadfast. Like, and I'm like, no, but you just choose anyone else, you know, but even in these, I can hear the Holy spirit say, are you going to make this oil? Or are you going to make this shame and guilt? Because my mind, the way that I process, I so easily can trap myself into this negative thinking and this cycle of like, just victim and like, oh, like you, you don't get anything good. And that was just a chance that that good thing happened. And, you know, back to like how I was saying earlier, I just naturally am kind of a skeptic. Totally. And so learning how to fight for the joy and to fight for really pouring the oil and say, I'm going to use this pain to really, really yeah. somehow find yeah. the good. Yeah. It's, it's really changed our life. And so now um, another part of the story is when we started the adoption process, we never knew that infertility would be a part of our story. We had an ectopic pregnancy um, before we started the adoption process, but that was no, and no reason the doctors are like, oh, you'll get pregnant. It's no worries. You know, everything was obviously it was painful to lose that child. But, and so coming back from Africa and saying, okay, well, let's just see like what this looks like. Let's maybe, maybe we'll get pregnant. Maybe it'll be that amazing story. Like also, if you know anyone adopting, also going through infertility, do not tell them, oh my gosh, right when you adopt, you're going to get pregnant. Like we should probably do an entire podcast on what not to say to somebody with infertility. Cause it's like, also when people say, when you stop stressing and you just rest, it will happen. Oh, they say that about marriage too. And you're like, dude, shut up. Like, I'm not even going to be nice. <laughs> like, like you're being insensitive and stop trying to fill the air with comforting words that you think will help because they're not. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And so that whole process, it was this whole thing of like, I felt like it took years for answers. And that's, that was now actually, I just was looking at my journal five years ago today, I was pregnant. And so it's now been five years of this whole journey of, um, you know, having to go in, getting a surgery, getting one Philippian tube removed. Okay. Needing to go in again, having to get the other Philippian tube removed. Okay. But God, you said, yeah, I said like, and so that's what this whole thing is when you go in and doctors say one thing and then Oh, it's actually endometriosis. Oh, it's actually this. And so now I'm at the point where I have no fallopian tubes. IVF is the only option. Um, I get this call out of nowhere, out of nowhere in the middle of September last year um, that says, hey, we got your information. You filled out a form three years ago from this IVF clinic and you've been picked for a clinical trial where IVF will be free. IVF is, you know, $20,000. I'm in the middle of Costco grabbing sausages and I start crying. I'm like, how did you get my number? I never filled out a form. What? Like, and I'm like, this is probably up with the adoption miracles. I'm like, no way. Like, how am I getting adopted? How, how is this happening? And, um, so we go in, we get all of the consultation, we get all of this stuff and I start all these injections. I'm filling my body with these. I mean, I, for anyone who doesn't know IVF, you have to do a bunch of injections and then you have to um, get your eggs taken out and then they put them with your husband's sperm and then you put it back and it's just a process. Mm. And, um, basically long story short, the third phase into the clinical trial, they call me and they say, you've been kicked out. Your estrogen levels are 0.2 above what they should have been. Estrogen was supposed to be at 20. It was at, literally at 22, which is in the medical world. If you tested again, it probably would have been under 20. Oh my gosh. And I was crushed. Like it was just one of those things again, where I was like oil or shame because I instantly, I go downstairs. We had a bunch of, we had guests at our house. It was like, um, 
it was like such a hard, and I go in my, my room and I fall on my knees and I'm like, God, for the first time in all of the different diagnoses and with my family and our kids and my marriage and struggles that, you know, journeys and seasons of hardship there for the first time ever on my knees, I was like, God, I'm really mad at you. I'm really, really mad. You, why on earth would you even bring this up just to take it away? Like I didn't understand. Mm. And I think that that's something that people need to be liberated on is that Jesus can handle your emotions. Uh, They're not always this, you know, perfectly groomed thing, but it's okay to be come at Jesus with a little bit of anger because he can Mm -hmm. take it. And if you come to him with it, he'll walk you through it. And so, um, and so it was kind of this phase of day one. I'm like, hold on now. Like, so, so now we just don't do IVF. What was all this? And I have all these injections in my body. I'm feeling gross. You know, there's so many variables. The next day was sad. I'm like, Jesus, I'm really disappointed in you. I'm disappointed that this is what it looks like. I'm disappointed that my body physically feels like this. I'm disappointed that, you know, and then the third day was like, okay, so what are we doing now? Are you, are you speaking to us? Not to, is this, are you closing a door? Are you, and you try and, you know, dissect and translate all of these things. And Jesus is like, just go to my word, just go to my word. You don't have to figure out how it feels. You can, you, I'm not rushing you out of this emotion. You can sit there as long as you need to. I'm right here. Wow. And, um, and so actually just recently somebody asked like, Evie, how do you get to that place with Jesus where you can be the honest? Uh, and, it, and it's really just a, when you go, when you have this life of prayer and it's not this like, okay, at this time I'm checking in, I'm clocking in for prayer. Okay. 30 minutes. Okay. When you have this life of prayer where it's throughout your day, you know, like Britt, when you're in the delivery room, you'll have this moment. I know this woman needs prayer and you're sitting there thinking, Jesus, lower her blood pressure or like, or, you know, Kenzie, just throughout the day when you're just in the car and all of a sudden you, God, I'm feeling, I'm feeling lonely today, or I'm feeling, uh, I need strategy on this thing or whatever, fill in the blank. And it's like, all of a sudden that is what a life of prayer is. And that develops a history with the Lord. And when you have a history, that's when this trust is built and when you have trust, that's how it just continues to grow and deepen. And so, um, so that's what we did with that. We took off, like we had literally 48 hours to make a decision because with the way the injections go, you had to start a new injection and it was time sensitive. And, um, and so yeah. So then we decided to start IVF and actually pay the full cost. And we're like, Oh my gosh, this is stressful. You know, but we felt like the Lord was giving us permission to do it. And, um, we do everything. We do the egg retrieval. It was all great. I had a great response. Um, and then I go in to do the transfer and I'm supposed to start my medicine at two or five o'clock. And I get a call at two o'clock. Maybe so sorry to tell you this, but the coronavirus, all fertility clinics in the country are closed until further notice. It could be the end of the year. It could be the end of the summer. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and you know, I hate, I hate when my first response to bad news is, of course, of yeah. course this is, but that's just what came out of me. I'm like, no, no worries. No, of course. And then you guys, this is the funny part. I tried to tell, I tried to lie to the clinic. I was like, oh no, I took the medicine. I actually, I took the medicine. I have to, cause if you take it, <laughs> then you're, if you took the medicine, then you're technically in the clear. Cause anyone who started medication is in this clear zone. And it was two o'clock when she called and I had to start the medication at five. Oh my gosh. And so Man. by three hours and I'm like, no, no, I took the medicine. And then she goes, did you really? And I'm like, the, just the convict of the Lord. I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't take the medicine. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And so, um, and so that was a whole thing where I'm like, God, the way that the rug is getting yanked yeah. under me, I can't, this is, this is a hard one for me to navigate, like wow. through this one. And so, um, that's just been where we at and like up and, you know, I, I felt like I felt sorry for myself for a few days. And then I look around the world and I see the entire world is affected by this. Wow. It's not, 
this personal thing of like, oh, IVF was taken from me again. It's like, I look around, I'm like, oh my gosh, Mm. every clinic is shut. Every job is taken. Every, you know, every, everyone in the planet is affected by this. And so the Lord really was like, okay, like this is going to happen. But you have to, you have to mourn with this. You have to grieve with the world. You have to have compassion in these moments because it is not about you. I'm doing something in the church body. And if you're so soaked in grief and you're so soaked in victimism, then you're not going to participate in what I'm doing. And I want you to be a part of it. And so, yeah, that's basically. Evie, your story is so, so, so powerful. And as I'm listening to you talk, it's like, I've heard your testimony so many times, but as I, heard you talking, I just felt like, oh my gosh, there's so many points that we could, you know, mm-hmm. dialogue on. Yeah. Story. <laughs> totally. But I think like, I think something that impacts me so much about your story, Evie, is how you are so quick to take your disappointments to the Lord and bring them to him, bring them to him and, and like look at them and address them and have the Lord like bring you his truth. And I, ju- I just love that so much about you. And I love how you have just learned to wait well on the Lord. And I, I would love for you to just talk for a second about like what it looks like to wait well on the Lord. Cause all of us have different things yeah. and different promises that it's like, God, you promised me this 10 years ago and I'm still waiting. And every sign says, no, you're not going to do it. And every time you keep shutting me down and all these things, but like, could you just talk for like a second of like, about like what that, what your journey is on learning to wait well on the Lord and learning to, here's my disappointment, but here's my promise. Yeah. How do I wait? Yeah. I think, um, like I, I'm, I try and be so practical about things because I think sometimes us as believers, we make things into this like fantasy, like, Oh, if you just pray and like, then you'll wait well. And it's like, well, well, that's not totally, you know, <laughs> there's more to it. Um, and the first answer I feel like to that question is journaling has been um, such a secret place or such a safe place for my thoughts. Be- uh, and, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys have ever thought this, but whenever you journal, do you feel like as you're writing this, do you think, oh my gosh, my kids are going to read this someday. I have to make sure I'm like polite and nice because if yeah. they're going to think my thoughts, they're going to be like, who the heck is my mom? Like, <laughs> And I still will struggle with that sometimes, but every, I, I try and journal every, at least three times a week. Life is obviously busy, but um, I try and do it every day, but I would say average is three times a week. And when I do, I'll start the page and I'll say, God, help me be honest with what I'm really feeling right now and not caring what my children someday will read. Like, and <clears throat> me being able to process how I actually feel has been so crucial on a page because a paper will never forget. And when you look back, like that's obviously that's what yeah. the, Jesus is always saying in the Bible over and over. Remember back, remember back, remember back. And that really is the key to waiting. Well, is when you can look back and you can say, okay, at one point waiting for that one thing was unbearable and heavy and, and it hurt. But then look, I see that I hurt and I see my honest, raw thoughts unfiltered. And then look now there's clarity and there's answers and there's, and so um, that is one practical thing. Another thing is my community. I think, sometimes I assume everybody's group of friends, like our little group of friends, I assume everyone's that like hardcore. And so like, they'll pick up the phone and call you and prophesy and they'll say this. And and I kind of assume everyone's close unit, but I'm realizing that that's not 
the case. Like we are such an exception where we can just pick up the phone and call each other and be like, this is what I am seeing over you. And I'm, I'm speaking this over you. Yeah. Um, same with my crew here, like, you know, with Liberty and I have Angel and Allie, like yeah. there's these group of girls where it's like, they literally pick you up when you are feeling down, when you're feeling insecure. And I am such, I'm learning this for so long. I used to try and tell myself, oh no, I'm a mental processor. Like I like to process by myself. I need to go for a walk or I need to, but that's really not the case. I would honestly argue to say most of humanity is a verbal processor, but it's really hard to get to that point of being able to say what you're really feeling. Like there's something about confession. There is something about like literally seeing. And so I will sit down. I can't tell you how many times Liberty has pulled me out or Ali has literally looked at me and been like, okay, what you're feeling is so valid. And I can see that you're in pain. But what I will say is look at your influence of what you did yesterday or look at, you know, yeah. and they'll just bring you back to that, like that thing. And you're like, okay, you know what? And you feel empowered and feeling empowered helps you wait well. Yeah. And so I think just honestly being able to develop that discipline and yeah. that vulnerability of being honest on the, our pages of our journal and being honest with our friends and being, telling them, right. oh, this is what I'm feeling. And then also just being able to get to that space with the Lord where, like we were saying earlier, it's like, God, I'm angry or I'm disappointed or I'm, because sometimes I think as Christians, we think, oh, I'm not allowed to be mad at God. Like he's God, you know, or like disappointment. Like I heard a message from, you know, Carl Lentz once about how I'm not allowed to feel disappointed or whatever, fill in the blank. And you're like, all of a sudden, uh, and even the context of these messages, it's not that you're not allowed to feel this, but you just all of a sudden will get this dialogue in your head of like, no, like that one time that pastor said that this isn't, shouldn't be my response. And so for you just to be honest with the Lord and sometimes even in prayer, like I think about two months ago, Zach, before he, he goes to work really early in the morning, like he has to be at work by, by six. So he leaves at like five 15. And before we leave, we try and pray. And it's, I mean, it's five in the morning, so we're not like interceding for the merchants, but, um, but he'll, we'll like, well, you know, we'll sit there. And about two months ago, he said, babe, I felt like the Holy Spirit this morning said that I, I, he didn't want us to ask for anything. I felt like he just said for a set amount of time, don't ask me for one thing. Wow. Just, and I was at first like, but the Bible says to ask and to knock and to, and I'm like, but yeah. And I was like, okay, but I'll just follow his lead in this. And we're sitting there and for six weeks, all we did in the morning was God, we thank you for our family. We thank you for your peace. Mm -hmm. We thank you. And it was literally just, and like when you are so wrapped in gratitude and thankfulness, you are waiting well, like, okay. and like you have to literally have this vantage point of like, God, I'm thank Yes. Yes. IVF got canceled. Yes. My son has a terminal illness. Yes. But God, you said that your presence follows me everywhere I go. You said, and so being able to have that perspective and sometimes honestly, I, you'll struggle with the authenticity of it because your emotions don't believe it yet or your heart doesn't believe it yet. So you're sitting there saying, God, I thank you that even though I hurt, like, and that's okay. Sometimes it's literally just a process of saying it and saying it and singing it and screaming it and crying it. And, and then also when you can't do that because the pain is real and you're like, I can't even do it. I promise you, your tears are praying. Like there is something about just saying, I don't even know what to say, but these prayers, praying these things on behalf of your spirit and your heart that you're like, I know that something's happening and something's being released. And I'll just trust that God's good enough to you know, be able to translate my tears. And it's just this, like I said, it will build this history. And so, That's yeah. So good, Evie. Amen. That's so good. And I think, 
It's so crazy, but it's like, I think of waiting and nobody's exempt of waiting. You know, everybody's going to have to go through it at some point in their life. And you look at Jesus's life and what he modeled and he waited 30 years, right, to start his ministry and look at Sarah in the Bible. And I think it's just so powerful to see what God does in the waiting. Like he's crushing, he's pressing, he's entrusting us, he's making space to birth his promises. And my question for you is, how do you reconcile your timing with the Lord's timing in the waiting season? I know, that's a great question. Oh my gosh. I don't know if there's ever this like destination of being like, and it's now been reconciled, but um, I feel like it's just one long like walk with the Lord and hand in hand and being like, okay, I trust you today. Like, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to stress out about X, Y, Z, or I really want this. And like, this is also just a random thing. I don't know if either of you guys do this, but every single time, every time I get a new debit card and the expiration date is on there every single time I say, God, by the time this card is expired, I'm going to have this and I'll, whatever, you know, I'll be pregnant or I will be married or whatever. Like I have literally done that since I was a little girl when I get a new debit card and you guys, I have never gotten what I wanted by the expiration date. I have, it's never been on my time. (laughs) And I, and I, (laughs) and every time a new one comes in the mail and I'm like, well, by the time this, and I still do it. I still, every time I look at it. And so I think it's just this like submission of being like, okay, though I see the expiration date on this card and I will continue to believe for it because I know God is faithful. And sometimes that belief by that date is just what gets you up in the morning and keeps you going. But I'll know if a new debit card comes and, and I didn't get what I was believing for, on this card, I will still know he was good. And that it's almost like, this is not, it's not like God dangles these things in front of you just to pull you, but he knows that that is momentum and that brings hope that you'll look at that and say, okay, I know that, that that will like, that this still thing is ignited in my heart. I know it can happen because that's really, I think the opposite answer to your question is we'll never align ourselves with the Lord when we have no hope, like hope it is seriously the gasoline to our spirit. It's the momentum to our dreams. It is the total, it's the fruit of, you know, actually having this belief and faith. Like hope is a superpower of believers. Amen. And that's, you can't have real hope if you don't know the real Jesus and you don't know the real Jesus, if you're not sharing the real you. And so that's why it's this whole equation of like just being able to learn how to have renewed hope and like that's the thing is like the hope yesterday, that's not going to be enough for the hope today. Like it is a daily, minutely, hourly thing. Like it has to be refilled, re- like, and that's why it's so important to have people around you and have the word and develop this history because like you won't be able to wait well if you don't have hope, you know? So, so, good, good. so good. Well, and I think too, it's like, it takes just, it takes the same amount of faith to partner with expectation of what God's going to do as it does to partner with God's never going to do this. He's never going to come through. He's never going to fulfill this promise. It's like, it takes the same amount of energy from us. It's just like, what, which kingdom are we going to partner our faith with? And I thought of this verse this morning when I was thinking of you, and I just think this will be an encouragement to all the listeners too. And when you're talking about hope, I'm like, I have to share this verse, but this is Psalms 27. Um, 13 to 14. And it says, God, I trust you again to rescue me yet one more time so that I can see once again, how good you are while I am still alive. 
Britt, I posted that yesterday. Of course you did. (laughs) Oh, God. Come on, God. Here is what I have learned through it all, though. That if I do not give up and I do not get impatient, but I become entwined as one with the Lord, and as I am brave and courageous and never lose hope, I will keep on waiting for you, God, because you will never disappoint me. And another version says, like, if I would not have believed or I would have lost hope had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land. Yes. And I just feel like that is a word for for you, for me, for Ken's, for everybody listening to this podcast is my, my like encouragement is like, we cannot lose hope in the waiting seasons because we will always wait. We will all, there will always be a waiting process on the way to our promised land. And it's like, that is my hope is that we learn to be people that wait well, that we wait. Like, I'm not going to sit here on my butt and just wait, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to have expectation that God, you're going to do what you said, because you're the God all throughout scripture, all throughout history that fulfilled your promises and you did what you said and your timing is never my timing ever. It's like you look at anything in any of our lives. It's never our timing. (laughs) God shows up and in an instant you're like, man, I wouldn't have wanted this five years ago, 10 years ago when I thought I wanted it. Now's the timing. And so that's just my hope for all of us is that we raise our expectations. We learn to wait well. We learn to be patient on the things of the Lord yes. in in knowing that we are going to see the yes. faithfulness of God come through for us. And yeah. so that's yes. amazing. Okay. I feel yes. so encouraged. I love that you said expectation because that's, it's like Bill Johnson says <laughs> this, but it's like hope is the joyful expectation, of the assurance of his good. And it's like yeah. we partner with that of, when we have expectation and yeah. we wait, you know, joyfully, it's like we're partnering with his promises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I And I think that that's also a whole nother conversation is like, I, for so long, I put this expectation on this thing I wanted. And I also slapped that it was a promise on there. And yeah. then no ever did God ever tell me that a pregnancy was a promise. Literally, and I think when we are able to actually say, no, 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 I, I'm, my hope is not for this specific thing. Because this is honestly, it's a tension that I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure out. Because it's like, this thing that I'm aching and that's a natural, beautiful desire isn't, uh, yes, I'm like hoping and expecting for it. But like the hope is that, G- that I'm, is Jesus. Like, how do I keep right. hope and the definition of hope? And like, because that's when all of a sudden, when you don't get what you're believing for, and all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh man, now I'm disappointed because I didn't get it. That's when you're kind of like, oh, was my hope in Jesus or was it yeah. in this thing? And so it's like, that's a whole theological thing. What we're like, how do you keep the hope on the real thing? Like how is hope Jesus, you know? That's so good. Uh, so Evie, good. we could talk to you forever and ever and ever. I keep going, oh my gosh, and I want to ask this and I want to ask this. <laughs> but I would love, love, love for you to, just like in closing, if you would just like pray for all of everybody listening that finds themselves in a waiting season, that finds themselves like holding out for the promises of God, if you would just like pray over everyone, that would be so awesome. I would special. love that. I would be honored. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for the invitation to hold hands with you in every season. We thank you for the way that you you speak to us, that you walk with us, that you feel with us. And we thank you, God, that you're not intimidated or, or scared by the reality of our hearts or our thoughts. And, and so, Father, I pray for every heart and every ear that's listening to this. God, I ask for just a vulnerability and just... Um, 
that whoever's listening to this would accept the invitation to be raw and honest before you, God. Mm-hmm. I thank you, God, for the seasons of waiting and the way that you develop discipline and perseverance in that. And I thank you, God, that we wouldn't change it for anything, God. Yeah. We thank you for the way that pain and, and, and hard seasons shapes our spirit to trust you. Yes. So, God, we ask that you would just condition in our hearts that our first response in seasons of waiting would say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And in the same breath, we can say, but I feel this God, that we would be people that would be honest before you, God, that we would have that freedom and that liberation that comes when we just tell you what we're actually thinking. And we thank you that in response, you tell us what you're thinking and it's always perfect and it's always holy and it's always (laughs) going to direct us exactly where we need to go. So Father, we thank you that you are the only king of peace, that you are the only king of love. You are the only king of hope. And yes. so every single ear that's listened to this, God, I just ask that you would just ignite in them a heart to trust you and to speak to you. We yes. just love you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you what you're doing in all of our hearts. We thank you. We say yes and amen to the seasons of waiting. Yes. And we just say that you are getting the full reward and the full offering and that this waiting is oil that we pour on your feet. And I ask that we'd be people that wait well. And in the process, we would turn around, we would look back on that season, and we'd say, I trusted him every day of that waiting. Yes. So God, we just love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you so much for being with us. Evie, how can our listeners follow along on your journey with your and adoption? Support all that you're doing. So all the things. Yes, you guys can find me on Instagram at E-B Hepworth, E-B-I-E-H-E-P-W-O-R-T-H. And um, I mean, I have some blogs on ebhepworth.com, but I'm the worst. I'm like, who has time for this? You know, like, (laughs) I'm like, golly. Uh, Yeah, so mainly I'm just an Instagram girl. Honestly, most of my Instagram is my children. So just do what you want with that. But wasn't that amazing? Evie's friendship is such a gift. She is such a powerful leader in the kingdom. We're so happy y'all tuned in to hear her story. Make sure to follow her on social media to hear what the Lord is doing in her life. And be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode of Rising Radiant. We'll see you next time.